Well, hey, this is Rob, and that's Micaiah, and you are listening to the season one recap of You Forgot One. Micaiah, I can't believe it. We've made it all the way through our first season. So for our listeners who have stuck with us the whole way, we want to say thank you. But Micaiah, for our listeners who might be new, for our listeners who may have jumped on at some midpoint of the season, give us a little background on where this whole thing came from. Yeah, this whole thing started because you and I, at the end of 2020, were going back and asking each other, what's your favorite album of the year? Uh, What was your favorite album, top 10 of the last decade, um, of the 21st century, and so on. And then we are asking the question to each other, okay, well, that's your top 10 favorite. How does that differ from your top 10 best albums of the decade? And then we were like, well, that's a completely different list. And then you said, well, now the real question is, how do we make this into a podcast? And then before I knew it, you bought the domain name for You Forgot One. And we started in January. And here we are 25 albums later in August. And I could not be more proud of of what we've done. So it's been great. Um, Yeah. yeah. It's been something that I, even as we started it, I I thought at the beginning it would just be kind of a pet project between the two of us in, in maybe we might have a friend who might be willing to come on it occasionally. Right. Um, But very quickly from the beginning, we started getting great guests and I've been really touched by the diversity of great guests. We've had, we've had academians, we have had, um, We've had friends of ours. We have had band members. We have had producers. We have had songwriters. I mean, we have had kind of everyone you can think of. Yeah, filmmakers. I mean, we've had people who are connected to these albums in personal ways and professional ways and, uh, you know, a mixture of ways we have had, uh, the opportunity to introduce music to people as guests. I, I mean, it's really been, uh, something that I've been so grateful for and I've been really grateful for our listeners. We have had so many consistent listeners. And at this point, I'm excited to say as of the recording of this episode, our season one recap, we have now surpassed 15,000 listens to this podcast, which if, if we would have talked about this in January and you would have said that 15,000 times someone would have listened to this podcast, I would not have believed you for a second. No, I wouldn't have believed you if you said 15 listens. Yeah. There's no, there's no reason for anyone to listen to you and I two straight white cisgender men, just like the, the plainest guys talk about music for like what you what used to be under an hour has now climbed up to an hour and a half a little bit over uh yeah so i, I i'm so grateful that anyone wants to listen to our opinions uh yeah I, that, that number shocks me you you had not told me that before we recorded so that was a very pleasant treat well let's go ahead and get into this we have some exciting guests for this episode 
But before we get to our guests, let's go ahead and hear it, Micaiah. I haven't heard this yet. You, you and I each put together two lists of these 25 albums uh-huh. at the end of season one. And we ranked our, what we thought were the best, you know, these, these 25 albums ranked from best to worst. Yeah. These 25 albums ranked from favorite to least favorite. Mm-hmm. We took those four lists and compiled them, gave them a point system. Micaiah, you have for us what I have yet to hear. So I'm, I'm going to hear this live yeah. on, on, on the pod for our listeners. Yeah. You have the definitive, you forgot one season one, top 25 albums so far. Let's yes, hear that list. All right. Starting with number 25. I'm so excited. I'm smiling. I'm, I'm very excited for this. All right. So number 25, never mind the bollocks. Here's the Sex Pistols. Bye. Sex Pistols. I think this makes sense for us. Yeah, I agree. Um, there, there's not a surprise there. Um, but it was actually tied with number 24, Thriller by Michael Jackson. And it's there because I still don't know how to evaluate it. Yeah, and, and we, for our listeners, you heard us wrestle with this in our episode. We love this album, but we are conflicted about our love for this album. And that uneasiness, I think, caused us both to err on the side of ranking this album lower than maybe we would have even five years ago. Oh, five years ago, it'd be in my top five. It wouldn't even be like a... I wouldn't, I wouldn't think twice about it. Mm-hmm. All right. Number 23, an uh, album that just had a, a big anniversary. Is this it by the strokes? Uh, one of my favorite episodes still. And for yep. the listener who's listening to this and going, wait, you're ranking that 23rd. Remember, these are the 25 albums we've acknowledged through the season that each of these 25 are among, in our opinion, the hundred greatest albums ever made. Mm-hmm. We're just ranking them. And according, you know, according to where we're at so far, there was always going to be an album in the 25th place. There's always going to be an album in the number one spot. Um, you know, yeah. don't don't feel like this is a slight on this phenomenal Strokes album. Right. So it's just something had to be 23. Right. So number 22 for us is Armed Forces by Elvis Costello and the Attractions. That feels right. For the purpose of what we're doing here, it's just like, how do I rate this as an album, not as the artist? And that also explains why I think our, our spot for number 21 is Mothership Connection. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think we'd agree that Parliament Funkadelic is a more, they are more important artists than Mothership Connection is important for being an album. Yeah, and yeah, I think so. in 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 and so again, I, I think that we're going to see that with the replacements. I think we're going to see that with REM. I think we're going to see like there's there's a handful of artists that we covered, and and I think that part of the way in which we covered those artists was talking about an album, but really is a way of talking about their larger catalog because it's it's hard for right. some artists, and even Elvis Costello. I mean, look, Elvis Costello is so much more than Armed Forces. And yeah. so you're you're really saying Elvis Costello and the attractions are on the list. And Armed Forces is a great album, but Armed Forces is not an all-time top 10 album. So you're right. you're you're kind of struggling with that the whole way. Yeah. But it's all on the path to 100, you know. So 
20. Uh, music from Big Pink by the band. I think that's a good place for that. Um, 19, Hatful of Hollow by the Smiths. The conclusion I reached on that one as I was going through was like, no, this album rules. This album is... It's is an undeniable great. album, yeah. Yeah, you can put this one up like pretty high without anyone, I think, correcting you. Uh, which, um, number 18, this is a really good run. I like this. Number 18, Automatic for the People by R.E.M. And number 17, The Arrivals, Let It Be by The Replacements. Um, happy to see The Replacements come out on top once again on this great rivalry of the 80s. Uh, that's almost solely because of you. That is almost solely because I rank this one very high among my personal favorites. Um, and that, that, but that's the fun of making this list, you know, is, you know, like we want to talk about what, what's going to make this album unique against all of the other lists is that it's comes down to our preferences and our bias and our love for specific albums, you know, but we also try to, to play the game and eliminate bias and make the best of list. And so let it be, is it 17? I think it should be higher, but I'm not mad about it. Um, number 16, um, OK Computer by Radiohead. Not a bad place to be. Um, kind of surprising, number 15, Wildflowers. Now, this this is where it comes down to both you and I being like playing favorites. You know, we this is well documented on this podcast. The Florida Boys love Tom Petty. Big surprise. Here's, here's what I've been thinking about, not just looking back at this first season, but also as you and I have, have really been diligently working to try to uh, finalize our list for season two so that we can start booking guests for season two. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's a lot of things working in the saber. One, it's Tom Petty. And so the Florida boys have, have an affinity for Tom Petty, especially in with his recent passing. Um, yeah. Two, it's just a phenomenal album. Uh, three, it's it's an incredibly well-produced album. And that's what I was looking at, is really looking at, given that we are doing a, we are limiting ourselves to a single album per artist. And mm-hmm. so many artists have the tendency to work with, with either just one producer or with just a small group of producers over the course of their career. What's interesting to me is looking at our list for this year and looking ahead at, what I see as my list for next year. And then the season after that, mm-hmm. I think by the time we get to a hundred, Rick Rubin may be the most popular producer on our list. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think that, I think that Rick Rubin may appear as a producer on our list more than any other single producer. will. But I mean, I mean, it would, it would make sense. I mean, he's, very clearly one of the best and, and also just like the most like eclectic and most like diverse doing country metal Tom Petty early hip hop yeah. still still doing hip hop yeah, I mean like he's done all the genres so he's you know yeah he's, he's done the work uh, another kind of a fun one that just shows our bias and I think this is a good place for it and kind of a it's almost uh, right in the middle Transatlanticism by Death Cab for Cutie I, I still want it to be higher. <laughs> well, well, you and I both uh, on favorites, we had it really high top 10, maybe yeah, for both of us, for sure. 
And then we were like, but I don't know if it's because we have, you know, it's like, okay, well, I know this is super biased and it's not on any other list. So I'm going to put it bottom five for yeah. the best list. So we, we tanked it and yeah, there it is still like in the middle at 14, you know? And yeah. And so I mean, but I, but I think that does make sense. Cause I, I think the tendency was exactly what you said. Like it is a top 10 album personally for us, but we also recognize that, that, that that's not a very objective view. And so we right. ranked it much lower on the best list. So, I mean, look I mean, looking at, at it now, it's like 14 trans. Unless is it better than okay. Computer at 16? I think so. But yeah, we're not people to, to hide any of our cards. We, we leave them all out there for everyone to see. So, uh, number 13, right in the middle, uh, right. Is a uh, Exodus by Bob Marley and the Whalers. And I don't know if it's just because I enjoyed our episode so much, but I kept wanting to put this album higher as I was making the list on both on the best of list and my favorites list. I was just tempted to keep putting it higher. And so I'm glad it sits right in the middle, but like, it's just, I mean, maybe it's also, it's summertime. So if we make this list again in December, it'd probably just be taunting me and I probably would just be mad at it. Um, But right now here we are. Exodus is, is pretty high. Higher than I thought it would be when we first started doing the podcast. Uh, number 12, uh, Kind of Blue, Miles Davis. Hmm. I I thought it would be top 10. I um, thought so too. But you know what? There's still time. Mm-hmm. All right. So number 11, uh, entirely my fault and completely my doing, Astral Weeks <laughs> by Van Morrison. Uh, number 10, we are in the top 10 now. The Great 28 by Chuck Berry. I like that there. I like it there too. I think that's great. I hope he stays in the top 10 um, somehow, even though it seems unlikely. All right, so number nine, there's a riot going on. Sly the Family Stone. Um, an album that I thought was kind of an underdog going into the podcast, and here it is in the top 10. I, I didn't expect to see it. I, I think... You know, for our listeners, you know, I, what you heard last week was, I think, in in argument about what makes the best Sly album and, and essentially what makes the best album. But ultimately, I think the rightful conclusion is this is an album that doesn't get the love that it should. And so mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm glad that it's a top 10 album for us. Uh, number eight, and this is entirely your doing. Songs on Key of Life by Stevie Wonder. If if you look at the twenty five albums we've done this year, and you're thinking, and you're, you're you're thinking in any way, objectively, to have the culminating album from Stevie Wonder's Perfect Period not be a top ten uh, on the twenty five albums we did this year, mm-hmm. I, I mean, if it if it would have been outside of the top ten, it would have felt like a uh, a hit to our credibility. Uh, so number seven, this is exciting. Actually, the next two are very exciting. Uh, number seven is the low end theory. Come on, quest. Love that. Uh, it could remain our highest ranking hip hop album, and I I hope that that is the case. I think that it. I, I I think it. I think it might. I think it might be our. Continue to be our highest ranked hip hop album. If it's not that. Then it might be Kendrick's to keep to, to pimp a butterfly, mm-hmm. um, and that has 
some buys just because of, of time and being a, a recent work. But low in theory, I, I hold you know what we talked about when we had during our episode that I think it might be the greatest hip hop album. I for certainly from the golden age. It's um, it's maybe it time. is my favorite hip hop album. That's that's for sure. It's yeah. my favorite hip hop album. I, I think that I think there are arguments to be made that Public Enemy, Fear, yeah, Fear of Black Planet or Straight Out of Compton or Takes a Nation of Millions to Hold Us Back. Like there, there are other albums that I feel like you could argue are more important. Mm-hmm. But but I, I mean the combination of great artistry of 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 talented MCs of you know genre bending in breaking production in in music um look i I think it's thinking off the top of my head right now it's hard for me to imagine a hip-hop album unseating low in theory as our as our highest ranking hip-hop album Mm -hmm. Uh, it's it's just hard to imagine right and again like we are talking about us our list yeah i mean uh no list would be wrong for having other hip hop albums above it, but for us, I think that's it's, it's probably going to stay pretty high. Number six, and this shocked me because I thought maybe you and I had done the transatlanticism thing with this one, but yet here it is, just outside the top five: Yankee Hotel Foxtrot by Wilco. I stand by that. I do too. This this is one that I'm proud. Well, here's the thing: when because sometimes I would I would look at it against other albums and I'd be like, well, put it up against an album from the '70s or something. It's like, well, that's a good album from the '70s. Yankee Hotel Foxtrot is probably the best album of the 2000s, and that that's uh, that that gives it a bump. You know, if 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 I think this is the best album or the definitive album of of its decade. It gets a bump. Uh, number five, this is where it gets the conversation we had a few episodes ago where it's like, uh, these five albums could appear in any order and I'll be happy because, yeah, these are canonically, definitively like five of the best albums. That's pretty much what happened here. Uh, number five is What's Going On by Marvin Gaye. Mm-hmm. I think that's right. Um, number four is Purple Rain. Yeah. Right. Uh, number three, London Calling. Mm-hmm. Uh, clash and then we did all of this with the point system okay um so our number 10 album great 28 by chuck berry had 60 points okay our top five right uh, what's going on 70 points all right our number one and number two had 98 and 95 points which makes me think these these two albums aren't going anywhere mm-hmm. outside of the top five moving forward. Okay, I mean that's that's pretty high. Okay, so our our number two. Do you want to guess it? Revolver. Revolver by the Beatles with ninety five points. Which All means right. our number one is. It is my second favorite album of all time. Your second favorite album of all time. Our favorite Bob Dylan record of all time. None other than Blood on the Tracks. In our very I, first episode. I, and, and look, it, it was our first episode for a reason. I stand by that ranking. And again, like like you said, um, 
I, if for best, I put Revolver ahead of, uh, of Blood on the Tracks. But I think those at one and two, I think Revolver and Blood on the Tracks at one and two, um, I, I don't see, especially given, given that uh, this being our first season, our most obvious picks were going to come out in this first season. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that in the coming seasons, your favorite album, Pet Sounds by the Beach Boys, my favorite album, Joshua Tree by U2, will both end up on the list. Mm-hmm. But because of our differing views on those two albums, I don't think that they will end up nearly as high. So, so I think no. that whatever whatever the order is, I, I think that it would be fair to say that we could do this list of 500 albums, and I still think our current one and two will remain our one and two. I think so, too. And Blood on the Tracks, I mean, if we're talking about an album that you and I are putting or talking about a list that you and I are putting together. I mean, there's a reason why it was our first episode. Okay. Like blood on the tracks. Like it is, it is an album that you gifted me when I first started collecting records. It, it just makes sense. You know, uh, that this, of course, this would be the one the, the, the podcast is, is built on this album. So that, that is our top 25. Um, we don't have message boards, uh, so there's no place for anyone to go to start screaming, but you can hit us up on Instagram um, at you forgot one on Twitter at you forgot one pod. There's our Facebook, our website. Let us know how how excited you are about what we got right, and let us know how angry you are about what we got wrong. Uh, we tr- we did our best to stick to our guns, but to also consider the consensus. Yeah. You know, so that's. And, and I like it. I like this list. I was prepared to be like, oh, God, oh, we lost credibility. We lost them. We like I was prepared to be like, you know what? We'll leave it to the professionals. Maybe this is much harder than it looks. No, I, I like this list. I'm I'm on board. Do you want to know how it compares to the Rolling Stone 500? No, I, I, <laughs> I don't. I think I think that over the season we've spent so much time talking about where each of these albums rank in that 500 list that you have that, an idea that that I have an idea, but also I I think at this point I you know what I don't care okay. I, I I I I really think that if there's if there's anything I'm feeling now looking back at our first season of doing this podcast it it is the willingness to say I. I'm interested for my own benefit in, you know, how other lists and how other, you know, musicians and critics have, have evaluated these albums over time. But ultimately you and I are putting a list together. That's about what we view as the best and what we view as our favorite albums Mm -hmm. and is, is death cab for cuties transatlanticism a top 15 album of all time? Probably not. Probably not. Mm-hmm. Is is it one of my fifteen favorite albums of all time, with without a doubt? And so I I'm I'm okay with the idea that you and I are going to have albums ranked on our list that other you know other other gatekeepers of music may not agree with, and then we may have albums ranked radically out of the order of other kind of gatekeepers of music. And if there's anything I feel like we're learning over the course of 
this episode of this season of the podcast, I think we're learning to not just find our own voice as we talk about music, but to trust our own voice. Mm. And so I'm, 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 I'm okay. Not knowing how it compares to the Rolling Stone list. We've got our list, our, our, our first season ranked in order. And we have invited our guests, the hosts of the super awesome mix podcast. And we have asked them to take the 25 albums that we have done in season one and put together a mix, one song from each album and give us the ultimate playlist. So we're going to take a break and let you hear from our sponsor this week and our sponsor for this whole season, Anchor. And we're also going to let you hear about our favorite independent record stores that we regularly shop at. So you're going to hear about my favorite independent record store in Durham, North Carolina. And you're going to hear about Micaiah's favorite independent record store in Lexington, Kentucky. And then we'll be back with our guests, Samer and Matt from super awesome mix is they tell us their playlist from our first season. Hey y'all, this is Micaiah, and I want to tell you about my independent record store of the week here in my new hometown of Lexington, Kentucky, called CD Central. Uh, CD Central is located directly across the street from the University of Kentucky on South Limestone. And if you don't want to stop in, you always check them out at cdcentralmusic.com. You can either have it shipped to you, or you can order online and pick it up in the store. So if you're in the area, um, go to CD Central in Lexington, Kentucky. Hey y'all, it's Rob, and I want to tell you about my independent record store of the week, my favorite record store in my new hometown of Durham, North Carolina, Carolina Soul Records. Carolina Soul Records is located at 117 East Main Street in Durham. Reach them by phone at 919-908-6620. They're open noon to 7, Monday through Friday, 11 to 7 on Saturday, and 11 to 5 on Sundays. You can find everything about them at carolinasoul.com as well as links to their eBay and their Discogs page. They have inventory of more than 15,000 albums available on their Discogs page, many of them for less than $10. This is one of my favorite places to pick up records, to pick up 45s, to pick up merchandise. They are a one-stop shop and I can't love them enough. So if you're in the triangle, you need to go hit up Carolina Soul Records or if you're anywhere in the world, hit up their website, carolinasoul.com and order from them today. Um, my name is Matt at home. My name is Samer Abuselby. And yeah, we started the podcast. Actually, we started the app originally. So this was originally a, a technology thing that we had kind of thought about. And it was an idea I probably had. I mean, I think almost 10 years ago, Samer, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's been Samer a number of years. Were, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Samer and I were in business school together. And uh, it all kind of started from when 
my wife and I were dating and I would make her mix CDs. And then as things started to digitize and I would write notes for the songs and everything like that. Um, and as things started to digitize, she was like, well, how do I, you know, how, how can I hold on to these? I, you know, she doesn't even have a CD player anymore. Right. Like, what am I supposed to do with this stuff? Right. So I was like, well, we, we can recreate the playlist, obviously. But she was like, what about like the notes? And I was like, yeah, that would that would be a really cool idea, like an app that that did something like that. So, you know, part of it was to solve a problem for my wife. And so Samra and I were working on another project in business school. And I just started bugging him like 10 years ago. And I was like, man, I, I got another idea. We should do this thing. We should do this other thing. And he's like, yeah, no, let's do the thing we're working on right now. And then we'll do the other thing. And I was like, oh, okay, okay, but let's not let that go. And so every few years, I would just bring it up to Samer, like, hey, don't forget about this. Like, don't forget about this. And then last year, uh, I guess Samer, it just hit you like a bolt of lightning. Like I was finally onto something. Yeah, that's usually how those things work. Or I just finally got so annoyed at the constant thinking. It's hard, hard to say. It's one or the other, yeah. <laughs> I um, actually started dating someone. Uh, we met over Bumble and like, you know, we were doing like practicing like safe dating. I don't know if there's a phrase for what happened in 2020. It's called COVID dating. Um, <laughs> and one of the ways that we started to get to know each other digitally, like before we met up in person and, and built our relationship, we're still together, thankfully, um, was we would exchange playlists with each other. And uh, and then we just started talking and, and I um, I started the app and, and we launched it. And then uh, the other good idea was like, hey, what if we, what if we just like did a podcast where we had people make a mixtape and we just talked through like a mixtape? Um, and have them make it and talk through like 12 songs. And that's that. And we grabbed some microphones, recorded it. And, uh, and here we are. I think we're yeah just under 20 episodes in. And it's been a lot of fun. We've had some really cool guests on the show. Yeah. What, what's, been, what's been some of the response you've had from the podcast so far? What, what's been some of the, the ways that uh, you've kind of been touched just by the way people have been reaching out and loving the podcast? It's, it's been amazing, like, because it really has turned into, like, I guess we're podcasters now. Like, it's really, we kind of <laughs> yes. look at each other and, like, we really thought, ah, oh, this would be a cool app. And then we got into doing the podcast and we thought, you know, maybe we'll do a couple episodes a month. And then, you know, we got a couple guests and we just scheduled them and we're like, oh, let's try once a week. And then we just start getting all these positive responses, whether it was, comments left uh on our instagram or reviews of the podcast or just people reaching out like we've gotten some amazing just direct messages and emails sent to us so people just like you know saying they love it and they're just from all over the world and uh, samra and i are just like well, what are we doing like <laughs> you know we still kind of have these moments <laughs> where we just kind of look at each other because you know, neither one of us are um, musicians. So it's not like we come from this strong musical background. It can be like, well, I used to play in a band and blah, blah, blah. And I think what I've been told by people is it makes us a little bit more relatable because we're really just talking about enjoying the music as kind of a normal person would. And, and we don't get into the intricacies of, of the different instruments necessarily because we just don't know that perspective. Um, but it's just been awesome and it's been really motivating and it's really what's, I know for myself, it's why I'm like, yeah, let's keep doing this. Like, let's keep inviting bigger and bigger guests on. And, 
and even smaller guests. We've had a really fun range of people come on the show, but it's amazing how many people have reached out and wanted to do the show too, which is, which is crazy. And, and it's just, it's so much fun for us to do. Yeah. yeah. It's been, it's been pretty wild. I do want to make one quick correction, Matt. I'm on day four of taking drum lessons online on YouTube a couple minutes a day. I, so, <laughs> I mean, I'm, I am right there. I'm, well, I'm just okay. if, Taylor Hawkins or Dave Grohl. So fair enough. <laughs> I took a semester of uh, piano pass fail in college and wow. I did pass it. So, I mean, I'm not right, Harry Connick Jr., but I'm, yeah, but, I can but, hold my own. But you're both underselling this whole not being musicians thing is what I'm getting here. Yes, yes. We're vastly underselling this. I did enjoy the implication that musicians are abnormal people. <laughs> we do tend to see a little bit of that, don't we? Um. <laughs> well, well, so for, for our listeners, um, uh, so Samer and Matt can be heard uh, every week on Super Awesome Mix. Um, guys, give us that website address. Yeah, it is just superawesomemix.com. And you can also find us on an Instagram at superawesomemix. Yeah, and it's it's worth a listen. Uh, these guys love music. And if you miss the days of mix CDs and mix tapes, um, it'll take you right through that process of, of what, it, what the process is of putting a mix together. And that's why we've invited Matt and Sammer on because here we are at the end of season one, we've done our first 25 albums and there was no way Micaiah and I were going to come to an agreement on what our season one podcast playlist should be. And so we thought who better to bring on than the guys from super awesome mix and let them put together the playlist of our first season. So Matt and Samer, we're going to leave it to you. However you want to put it together, walk our listeners through you forgot one season one playlist well thank you guys and we we were honored that you guys asked us to do this and we also had a lot of fun doing this because we got to listen to all these amazing albums we we talked at one point during the last you know you know you guys contacted us a few weeks ago and thankfully you gave us plenty of time to do this project because yeah, there was so much great music to go through. And so we look, we took your list just one through 25, just by the episodes is what you sent us. And um, Samra took the odd numbers and I took the even numbers. And so we're just going to kind of go back and forth and go through the uh, different um, songs that we picked. It's not necessarily, you know, what maybe the quote unquote best song. We, we tried to avoid doing that. Although in some cases I think it's unavoidable, but um, Samer, you started us off. You, uh, you had Bob Dylan's blood on the tracks and uh, I believe you picked up uh, tangled up in blue, right? I, I did. Yes. Um, the opening track of the album, which I, <laughs> for some reason, originally I just felt like, can I really just pick the opening track? Like, is that, is that just so <laughs> obvious? <laughs> just stopped. <laughs> He just stopped listening. <laughs> but I mean, to me, it's just like, it's, it's a, it's a classic Dylan song. I mean, if you didn't know Bob Dylan, you could play someone tangled up in blue and it's like, there you go. You know, Bob Dylan. Um, and that's what I just, I, what I love about the song. I mean, it's just his amazing acoustic work, his voice, his storytelling, like the complex shifting narratives in this song. Um, I don't know how else to just sum it up. It's just like, it's a perfect Bob Dylan song. So that's why I went with tangled up in blue. Very awesome. pleased with this pick. This is a good start. 
<laughs> All right, let's see if Matt, you can carry the torch with your second pick then. Um, so you had the album um, Let It Be by The Replacements and you went with a song Answering Machine. Oh, yeah, this is the uh, this is the last I think it's the last song on the album. Um, and I just loved the lyric in here. It just how do I say I love you to an answering machine? Right. And he's talking about there was just, there's a lot of angst in this song about having sort of a relationship through an answering machine. And it, one, I just love songs about outdated technology, right? Because <laughs> clearly this is not a modern song when you hear this song. And a lot of listeners are probably like, what is an answering machine? Okay. It'd be like voicemail. All right. But different <laughs> voicemail, but worse. Think about right. that, that people. Okay. Um, but also think about how many relationships exist now or start now just over text message. So I thought about what would the replacements think now of relationships that exist almost solely over texting and, right. and how they would feel about that if they were so angry about the answering machine so many years ago. Um, all right. So track three, uh, we're going to go to the band, their classic album music from the big pink. And uh, you went with the weight, which I mean, hard to argue with this one, Samer. Yes. Um, so I have an admission and this happened a couple of times. So I didn't really grow up with a wonderful music education. My parents had like a pretty limited set of songs that we listened to, which I've mentioned on, on our podcast, Matt. Um, so a lot of the songs, funny enough, when I started playing them, I was like, oh, I know this from a Girl Talk album. <laughs> and that I was just <laughs> I was just so sad that that was my introduction. I was like, oh, right. <laughs> This was heavily sampled by Girl Talk. And granted, almost every song ever has been sampled by Girl Talk. Um, but I, I started and I was like, right, okay, this is this song. Um, so that was part of how I think just the familiarity um, led me to pick the weight. But obviously it is, you know, it's like a quintessential song off of the album. It's probably one of the most well-known ones. Uh, so that's why I, I picked it. I don't have much more to say on this one. I I actually wasn't super familiar with the band, but um, as Matt said, I was so much fun to listen to a lot of these albums that I just kind of feel like I missed out and I'm learning about now. Um, and that's been part of what was so rewarding about doing this work. Um, all right, track four. Uh, so you guys covered uh, Parliament's Mothership Connection. and. Yeah, and Matt, you went with a really good pick. This one was so good. Give up the funk. Yeah, probably the most, I think the most well-known song off this album, but uh, it's a great party song. It's maybe the most recognizable song. And, uh, you know, it's funny because I remember in the early 90s hearing pieces of this song, and I didn't realize it at the time, but you had MC Hammer. He has turned this mother out, right? So obviously that's a big part of this song. Um Snoop samples this for What's My Name, and that's like his first big hit. And then, of course, you know, they're saying We Want the Funk. And, of course, that was uh, Rico Suave himself, Gerardo's biggest, uh, his follow-up to Rico Suave was called We Want the Funk. Okay. Uh, of course, I don't have to tell you guys that. I'm sure Gerardo's going to be on <laughs> next season. So we're getting on to track five, uh, The Beatles. And uh, you guys mentioned earlier, this was a controversial episode for you guys. They, you guys went over Revolver. And Sam, you picked out, out of all the great songs on this album, you went with Eleanor Rigby. Yes. This one was an easy choice for me to make, funny enough. Um, an amazing album. Lots that you could pick from. I think any one of these could stand up. But I have just been always like obsessed with Eleanor Rigby. I just think it's such a unique sound. Um, it's actually, I think, one of the only songs where none of them are playing an instrument. It's like their vocals over strings. Um, 
I'm obsessed with any song that does that has string work. I think there's a number of these that I picked because I'm just like, well, yeah, there's strings in the background. I love it. I just want to pick this one. <laughs> um, and yeah, I went with it. And the lyrics are great. I mean, it's just like, again, for me, I don't know. Yeah, it's just like a, a, a great Beatles song. It's so different from everything else. Uh, but it also still just shows just how much talent these guys had, uh, even even without their instruments um, in their hands. Moving though onto, onto the onto an even pick that also was a really good one to be able to pick a song from. We've got Tom Petty's Wildflowers. Um, and you went with Time to Move On. Great song. It's time to move on. It's time to get going. What lies ahead, I have no way to know. But under my feet, baby, grass is growing. It's time to move on. Broken skyline, moving to the airport. She's an honest defector, conscientious objector, now her own protector. Yeah, broken skyline, which way to love land? Which way to something better? Which way to forgiveness? Which way do I go? Yeah, and the Wildflowers album, I mean, I remember when this came out, it was just hit after hit after hit. I mean, for Tom Petty, just getting ton of radio plays. So I, I loved, you know, going, going back and listening to this album again, because I think I knew just about every song, but went with time to get going because it's or time to move on because it's not as uh, not as well known as some of the other songs on here. And the thing I love about it is that the, the music sounds like you're moving. Right. And so you listen to this song and it's like, I, I like songs that co- where the lyrics and the music kind of match up well like that. And so he's talking about moving on. And I feel like the rhythm of the song kind of gets you moving a little bit. Paul Simon's Graceland, I think, has a lot of that, too. Like he talks about, you know, driving in that song. And, and I think it's a great driving song. Like you can get into it with that. So so I love that one on here. But again, the whole album, I mean, it's just amazing. But went with a went with time to move on. So looking at track seven, this one's back to Sammer. We got A Tribe Called Quest, mm-hmm. uh, their landmark album, Low End Theory, and you went with Buggin' Out. Yes. Yes. Yeah. It, it had to be Buggin' Out. Um, had again, to be it's just, Buggin' Out, he says. It, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> again, it's just like I, I went for on, on a number of these, especially the ones where I was a little bit more familiar with them. I just went for like the song where you could be like, oh, I've never heard. I've never heard them. And then you would pick that song and play for them and you would get like a sense of who you're listening to. So Buggin' Out really stood out to me as as that one. I mean, it's like it is incredible lyrically, um, you know, like the rhymes are just like they're so effortless. It's amazing while still being able to tell a story, you know, and I feel like sometimes, especially with rapping with lyrics and, and trying to get that perfect rhyme, like it gets a little nonsensical. Um, but these guys, you know, are just so talented that it can, it does, it never gets nonsensical. You can follow everything that's happening. Um, and the contrasting vocals, like between these two guys, like rapping at each other too, you know, having like the deeper Q-tip voice and then having the higher pitch five dog, like just kind of going back and forth, back and forth. And like, even in their vocals, it's like, it's such an amazing kind of like song to, to listen to. So 
had to go with bugging out. You know, and like microphone check one, two, what is this five on the mic with the roughneck business? It's just like, holy shit. It's so like, good. Yeah, it's <laughs> like, it's like, it's like all of hip hop from like in the golden era, like the golden age of hip hop was like all leading up to just like the, like that moment. That's just, that's, that's how it feels. I don't, I don't believe that that's true, but it, it feels that way every time you hear it. I love that. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah. And tip also like in the parts where, um, it's it goes on the ride. You, uh, Sam, you're a drummer now. So when all the parts were like it, it's he's going on the ride, and then Tip comes in and just like adds like another element to like yeah. to just like how they can flow together. Yeah, yeah, great pick. That that's a, that's that's a great pick. Thank you, Sam. For our <laughs> listeners, you want to give us a drummer's thought on that and then help us unpack that idea that Pat was talking about before. <laughs> I would like to hear that. I have a number of drumming oh, questions for Sam. Right gonna... <laughs> All right. Moving on to track eight, back to Matt's pick. You had the Strokes album. Is this it? And you went with Someday. Yes. So this is, you know, probably the, I don't know, second most well-known song off the album, I think. Um, but I, I just love the songwriting. Um, like he starts off in many ways. They'll miss the good old days. And then they add the adverb someday. You know, and I just love that. It's like they have these sentiments and then they, you know, the first four stanzas, they kind of just add this adverb at the end of it and it changes the meaning just a little bit and and kind of adds a little something to the statement overall. So I, I just, I think the songwriting in this one is really clever. Um, again, it's a great album overall, but this song kind of stood out to me just for the, uh, the way the lyrics were put together. Yeah, great pick. Just turned 20. Hasn't aged a day. That's crazy. That album just turned 20. Wow. Um, so track nine, speaking of old albums, but albums that are timeless. Um, you, we have Purple Rain by Prince. And uh, Sam, you picked When Doves Cry. Yes, When Doves Cry on Purple Rain. Um, this is another one of those like picks where I was like, I don't know what else it could have been. You know, I mean, it's like, it's just such an amazing Prince song. It's so, it's so him. Um, you know, the chorus is iconic. I feel like how many people like you could, you could like, you know, maybe I'm too demanding. Maybe I'm just like my father too bold. Maybe you're just like my mother. Like you even just reading it in that kind of voice, you can hear it kind of unfold in your head and you just start to sing it. Um, and so, yeah, it just had to be this one. Um, it's just such a great song. Total 80s song too. Like really kind of also sums up the 80s in a single song. Not not just the album, but like all of the 80s. So 
Uh, it's great. <laughs> Everything in the 80s in one Everything, song. Everything, all of it. So let's go to track 10. This is actually another one where I was really sad that I didn't get this pick, but you, you picked a good one, Matt. So I approve your pick. Um, Thank you. Yeah, because this is one of my all-time favorite albums, uh, Trans Death Cab for Cuties, Transatlanticism, and you went with The New Year. Great. Yeah, I felt like this was kind of, uh, when when I was listening to this album, I was like, Samer should have had this album, not me. <laughs> <laughs> um, not that you, I didn't enjoy it, uh, yeah, but I picked The New Year. But you did well. Yeah, I did well. I did well. Uh, no, because I, the thing about this song is I I like how they're sort of talking about how the new year is somewhat anticlimactic. Mm -hmm. And that's how I kind of feel about New Year's Eve every year is everyone makes this big deal out of it. And then the next day you just kind of go go about your business. I, I, I don't think I've ever had that real big landmark sort of new year's celebration now i don't live in the big city like samur does so maybe <laughs> that's what's missing but for yes. me that's why you know this song kind of uh resonated a little bit so went with the new year but good album i i love this song and i think like the song musically does that right like it it opens with such a huge kind of crescendo like right out of the gate and it's like so loud and in your face but then the lyrics are like so this is the new year and i don't feel any different <laughs> yeah and i just think that's so perfect you know i mean it's exactly like you said um there's always so much expectation and hype around it flipping over to a new year and you're like yeah okay i'm still me and <laughs> <laughs> in, in one of the things i love about this album this this song this pick is the new so the new year is one of the great all-time album opening tracks and I love an album opening track that it kind of immediately brings you in musically, but also does such a great job of kind of setting up kind of the thesis of the album. Right. And I feel like this song does that so well for transatlanticism in, in the same way, Samra, that your pick tangled up in blue does for blood on the tracks that, that, that is as an album opener, like, this is a song that is just saying, here's where the album is going. Here's thematically what this album is about. Um, you, you get this kind of pretty rocking entrance into the album, but also are immediately hit with this kind of sadness of, I don't feel any different. I have no resolutions. I have right. no self-assigned penance for problems with easy solutions. Like there's, there's something that I love so much about this pick. Let us jump into um, oh, oh, it's my mind. track. Your it's track, your, track 11. My, yeah, yeah. It's my yeah, band. Stevie Wonder, Songs in the Key of Life. Uh, an amazing album. I'm a big Stevie Wonder fan. You picked Isn't She Lovely. Yes. Wow. Yeah, I know. I, I felt that this one might be unexpected. Um, it was either this or Sir Duke. And it's funny, we had a guest come on and he put Sir Duke on his mix. Uh, I think mm -hmm. it was Reagan's mix. Uh, he yeah, I think on. it was, yeah. And that was tough not to pick that, that one because it is a great track off of the album. Um, but this, I believe, is like a side two, basically. It's like a disc two um, pick. But Isn't She Lovely is just like, I don't know, it showcases his his vocals. Um, it's just a really beautiful song. It's dedicated to his daughter. Like, um, I think it's been, you know, it's gotten a lot of airtime. I, I feel like it's in movies that I've heard, although I can't remember which movies it's played. But yeah, it's just like, it's a beautiful song. And, and I again, kind of feel like it wraps up Stevie Wonder um, really well, summarizes like what he's capable of. 
Um, let's jump into track 12. This one is one of yours, Matt. Uh, so Van Morris's album Astral Weeks, and you went with Madam George. Yeah, this was a tough one. Uh, I thought I really enjoyed this album. I really like Van Morrison. Uh, but I went with Madam George. Now, apparently it was originally titled Madam Joy. And it kind of sounds that way as he's singing. But I guess he always wrote down the lyric as Madam George. So that is the title of the song. But I just love uh, lyrically. This one just kind of takes you through just sort of day, uh, kind of a day in the life. You know, and it uh, apparently was based on his childhood in Belfast, Ireland. And yeah, I just think it, it does a great job of sort of painting a picture of, of what just sort of this fun day would be like as a child. Um, so, yeah, I just I really like this song, but it was really a tough choice on this album. Let's go on to the next one. Sam, you had Miles Davis, kind of yes. blue. And you picked So What? Yes. Um, another opening back to an album. Um I actually would, as we've talked, I would love to do a mix at some point of just like really strong opening tracks to albums like we've discussed. I think that would be really fun to just like debate what are the all time best or 12 best like opening tracks. That would um, be, yeah. That would be a, be a good list. one. It would yeah. be a very tough one. Yeah. Um, but yes, I went with this one. I actually love to end my day with, with like jazz music, usually around like five or six almost to the point that I've thought about programming it, um, like, you know, with like Siri to just come on at that time. But I don't know, I, <laughs> I'm hesitant to automate everything in my life, but usually I end, I end my day with like some, <laughs> some kind of jazzy music. Um, and so I love this one because it's like, this is kind of exactly how I like to start listening to it, which is like, it, it starts like a little bit quieter and then it kind of like builds a little bit more. And then you've got like the Davis solo and then the Coltrane solo. And, and it just keeps like, it has like, a, you know, kind of a bass through line the whole way through to carry you through the song with like the solos that come in on top and like the various work and stuff. And I just think it's like so beautiful. And again, this is one of those ones where it's like, you can play the whole album and you're going to love every single song in this album. So that was part of why I just went with the, with the opening track. Track 14, um, R.E.M.'s Automatic for the People. Matt, you picked Night Swimming, which is such a fun song. Oh, man. <laughs> How could you not? 
Ugh. Yeah, how could you not? How right in the middle of nice the playlist, thing. just ripping your heart out. <laughs> <laughs> but it's such a beautiful song. I mean, the piano, and, and you're right. It is, yeah, rips your heart. I mean, at the end. They're I, I really on a roll here, Matt. Like, you got Madam George and then Night Swimming. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> Man. Um, but yeah, the, you talk about heartbreaking the line at the end. I thought you knew me or I thought you knew me. I thought I knew you. I mean, just this really, and it's just the slow of the piano. I mean, it's, but at the same time, if I were to go swimming at night, okay, which is not recommended, it's a little dangerous people. All right. Disagree. Let's try to stay safe. Highly recommend done it many times. <laughs> okay. Okay. But let's try to, but for the general population, I'm saying let's try to stay safe. Out yeah. There, from those okay? who aren't from Florida, see, yeah. I'm from Florida. So like we, we, we go for it. That's right. That's right. Well, and I'm from Texas, so we kind of go for it. All right. Anyone from New York or uh, or California, don't do it. Okay. <laughs> it's too dangerous for people in those states. But if you're from Texas or Florida, go for it. Okay. Highly recommend night swimming and put on this song because it's just a great song. And I think this is what I'd want to be playing when I'm night swimming. Great pick. I like it. All right, next up, we go to the classic Wilco album, Yankee, Hotel, Foxtrot, and Sam Ryupik, Heavy Metal Drummer. Of course he did. Yes, of course I did. <laughs> now you know Now you know why I did, because uh, that was my note here. I was like, I was going to mention that I started taking drum lessons, so of course I got to go for Heavy Metal Drummer. <laughs> um, it's so funny, like this, I this is one of those ones where I felt like a, a pop of shame of like not really ever listening to this album mm. and then having been introduced to it through this, through this recording. And then I have just been obsessed with it. I was like, how did I miss this album in my life? This is music. Like I would have listened to like all of these years since it's released. Um, and I, that's exactly what I've been doing ever since we, ever since you guys have contacted us and you put this on here. So a, thank you for that. Um, B, I, yeah, I had a hard time just picking one of these songs. I, I had like four or five that I wanted to narrow it down to. And I finally just went with this one because of the drumming, um, drumming connection, uh, that I'm building now, but yeah, it's just, it's a great song. Amazing album. It's, it's going to get so much playtime in my life for the next many years. So we, we got to introduce someone to Yankee hotel Foxtrot. I think mission accomplished. I think if we never record <laughs> another episode after this, we can still call it a victory. Rob, that was my exact thought process when he was just like now i'm obsessed with this i was like let's pack it up Job <laughs> done. Awesome. Away. we did it we i did love it. that all right so we are at track 16 now um we've got elvis costello the album armed forces and matt your pick was what's so funny about peace love and understanding yeah man yes uh this song was written by nick lowe and I heard Nick Lowe perform this song once and he did it in a very Nick Lowe fashion where it was super dark and depressing, um, but still a great song. And then you hear this song by Elvis Costello and it's very upbeat and, you know, almost hopeful. Right. And, you know, he's trying to really like drive home the point. Like you, you kind of think, yeah, well, what is so funny about peace, love and understanding? Right. Like we should all have that. And uh, I just think it's amazing that two, you know, obviously remarkable artists could take one song, perform it differently and evoke two very different feelings from the same set of, of lyrics. So, um, yeah, I mean, I love this song. And, um, I, you know, if you haven't heard Nick Lowe perform it, definitely worth looking up just to contrast it to this. 
All right, we're going on. Next pick, Radiohead. Okay, and let me get the album name here real quick. Okay, Computer, of course. And you picked Paranoid Android. Yep, I did. Um, This was another Girl Talk one, funny enough, that I was like, oh, right, this was sampled in a Girl Talk song. Um, (laughs) and, And listened to it and also fell in love with this one. I mean, it's like, I love that the original version apparently was was 14 minutes long and, and through editing, they got it down to, what is it, like seven minutes now? Um, that to me is even just amazing. The fact that it changes like three times in the song, you know, there's like a first section, a section one and a third one. Um, the lyrics like going through and telling the story uh, of, of everything that's happening, including like the, I love the lyrics, ambition making you look pretty ugly, kicking, squealing, Gucci little piggy, like such fire lyrics so great um and then the outro where it's just like all comes in and it like just punches you basically with like sound and noise and everything it's such a complex song um and it had to be paranoid android all right let's go to track 18 the clash london falling you went with rudy can't fail yes and i, I first heard this song in the movie gross point blank Oh, which man. has just an amazing soundtrack of, of songs from the 80s. And uh, I think they play this during uh, a fight that John Cusack's in at his high school reunion. So, um, yeah, I mean, if you haven't seen the movie and listen to that soundtrack, definitely go check it out. But, um, yeah, this song really stands out, I think, on this album as well. It's got a reggae feel to it. It was a uh, it was written as kind of a tribute to the counterculture in Jamaica, the Rude Boys. Uh, that's what mm-hmm. they're referring to as Rudy there. Um, and yeah, so it had a little bit of more of a reggae punk feel to it for the Clash. So then we're going to go on to uh, I'm not sure I'm familiar with this artist. Um, I hope I'm saying this right. Michael Jackson. the album is called thriller and you went with a little number called billy jean so so sam earth educate the people about this yes yeah i know he's a little off the beaten path um in more ways than one we like to highlight indie artist here we're not not just going for the obvious picks and the major right you know we we want to go for the indie darlings as well absolutely yes The deep cuts. Um, <laughs> all right. This was a the tough king one. king of the underground. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this was a tough one. So much, in fact, that I had to, like, poll my friends on on which one to pick because, like, the Thriller, thriller album is, is just musical perfection. I mean, my goodness, what an amazing pop album. Um, I landed on Billie Jean because... I don't know why, because I just had to pick one. You know, I mean, it just got to a point where it's like, I just <laughs> no wrong answers. One. There's yeah. no wrong answers. <laughs> it's just an incredible song. What's so funny though is, um, you know, and doing a lot of research lately with a podcast and, and, and with this one, like looking at the lyrics, I can't tell you the number of times that, you know, I'd listen to the song, not really pay attention to the lyrics. And I'd always knew that I think it was like about questioning the paternity of, of this, of this boy, um, but never really knew about it. And I was like, Nope, that's exactly what this is talking about. Um, <laughs> there's, there's no other meaning here. He's literally talking about how there's a Billie Jean who is claiming that, you know, her son is, um, is his son as well. Um, and he's denying that. So I was like, wow. Okay. So I've been hearing it right all these years. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> it's the it's the it's the song it's the song precursor to Mori Povich. Exactly. 
<laughs> it really, that's a great description. That's a great description. <laughs> oh man. An amazing album. Yeah. Tough one to pick just one. So, uh, track 20. So this is so funny. So it's the Smiths, um, hat full of hollow and Matt, this was one of your picks and, and Matt and I were talking, you know, before the show and he was mentioning that, you know, he'd gotten to the point where he was listening to the Smiths album and he finished the album and, and he just said, I'm so sad right now. <laughs> <laughs> And on that I'm note, a pretty upbeat guy. Yes. Give me a give me an yeah. album full of the Smiths and it'll bring <laughs> right. me down pretty quick. And, yeah. And the oh, and the title of the of the track you picked is, is very is very um appropriate. You went with Heaven Knows I'm Miserable Now. Yeah, so. <laughs> just couldn't couldn't go with anything else on this track. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> Heaven knows I'm miserable now. Yeah. Yes. Um no, so so I feel like, you know, we've talked about this a couple of times going through this list. You know, you talk about the quintessential sort of Bob Dylan song, the quintessential, um, what do we say, Stevie Wonder song. And I feel like this is the quintessential Smith song. Like it's a pretty good little poppy beat, right? And and this whole thing is just like, you know, he seemed things seem to be going well for this person, but he's just miserable. Right. <laughs> it's like, come on. <laughs> What's good? What's good? He's gonna snap out of this at some point. Um, yeah, I just wish something would go right for him at some point. But yeah, nothing does. He's just miserable through all of this. I was happy in the haze of a drunken hour, but heaven knows I'm miserable now. I was looking for a job, and then I found a job, and heaven knows I'm miserable. Um, all right. So speaking of uh, maybe being angry or being unhappy about things, we get to the Sex Pistols. Okay. Never mind the bollocks. And Sam, you pick Anarchy in the UK. Yes. Anarchy in the UK. I mean, just an amazing, it's, it's incredible that this is like 1976 because it could have been like in the, in the nineties during like the punk like movement, right? Like the blowing up in the nineties. Um, but here it is in 1976. It's, it's just such an amazing pick. Um, you know, opening lyrics immediately just like light a fire, you know, I'm an antichrist. I'm an anarchist. Uh, don't know what I want, but I know how to get it. I want to destroy the passerby or, um, you know, just immediately like, whoa, I, I can just imagine this coming out in the seventies and having everyone be freaked out by, by like music that is so like angry and, and, and igniting and all that kind of stuff. So that's why I went with Anarchy in the UK off this album. All right. Rounding out here, come near the end. We've got Bob Marley's album Exodus and Matt, you picked Waiting in Vain. Uh, yeah. So, you you know, nice little love song here from Bob Marley, but you know, he, he obviously cares about this woman and he's really trying to get with her, but I don't think she treats him very well. Like I really started to feel bad for Bob as the song went on, you know, he kind of, she, she talks down to him. Um, at one point he references, he's waiting his turn. I'm like, Bob, how many guys are in front of you? Like how much competition does Bob Marley have for some woman? Right. And then he says at the end, like he's waited three years for this girl. Like that's a long time and he's just that waiting. Is. 
So, I mean, you know, very, very lovely sentiment, but I'm, I kind of, if I was Bob's friend, I would kind of be like, yeah, great song, but y- you got to move on from this girl. <laughs> uh, okay. So let's go to track 23, Chuck Berry's The Great 28. And Sam, you picked the classic Maybelline. Yes. Oh, Maybelline. Yeah. Oh, so good. I won't try to sing it. I'm going to stick to drums. Um <laughs> it's got to stick to our strengths okay got to stick to the strengths exactly um i i mean my goodness this is i feel like this is like the beginning of rock and roll in a way right and i I know that a lot of people will will like probably disagree with that but what an, an incredible album number one and then also just this song off of it like it's i feel like you can listen to it and you at the very least, we could agree whether or not it's the beginning of the line or somewhere on the line. You can draw a straight line right through the song to what happened before it and what happens after it uh, in terms of like influence on rock and, and um, you know, where it goes from there. But it's it's just so good. Like he delivers. I mean, his vocals just like somehow kind of float on top of all the noise underneath him. And, and I don't know how else to describe it, but it's just it's amazing. Great song. So high energy. Um, so that's why I went with Maybelline. It's a perfect recording. You're right. It to pick is. It. Um, all right. Let us take, let's go to track 24 here. Marvin Gaye, what's going on? And Matt, you picked inner city blues makes me want to holler. Yeah. You know, we talked about that Smith song being the epitome of privilege and why couldn't he say, you know, I tried to get a job, but I didn't. And that's essentially what Marvin Gaye does in this song, right? Like just, <laughs> I mean, really does a great job of of sort of summing up a lot of the issues uh, at the time. But it's fascinating listening to this song in 2021. And a lot of the things he's speaking about uh, are things that are still issues today. And so it's, uh, it's, it's really, uh, that's, you know, not just this song, but we've run into a lot of songs, I think they're doing the podcast that were written just decades ago that still reflect a lot of things that um, are still unresolved in, in society. I mean, it, it's, it really is kind of unreal that exactly 50 years pa- have passed and like the opening lines are rockets, moonshots, spend it on the have nots <laughs> money. We make it before we see it. You take it <laughs> like what a, what a like crazy appropriate lyrics, like 50 years later, still um, with, you know, with all the news of, of these billionaires shooting themselves into space <laughs> and everyone is like, yeah, maybe, maybe spend that money here. Um, this is a crazy <laughs> idea. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Although I think Jeff Bezos gave everyone a jeans day after mm. he came back to earth so that's cool right that is cool yeah i mean we're even is everybody good now <laughs> everyone's even yeah that's yeah. almost, okay. that's well, almost as go. good as healthcare, right yeah you get to wear blue jeans <laughs> who doesn't like that hopefully All in another right. 50 years it won't be appropriate anymore <laughs> yeah. and we'll be like that's always right? way off yeah. yeah yeah it's like god do you remember this can you believe this was going on at the time <laughs> 2071 yeah, it's gonna be great that's the hope well, um, fingers right. crossed that there even is a 2070. <laughs> well, yes. <laughs> yeah. That's actually the name of the Smith's new album. They just announced that. <laughs> if they got back together, it would be the end of the world. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> uh, all right. Here we go. Track 25, Sly and the Family Stone. There's a riot going on. And Sam, you picked Family Affair. Yes. Know. Family Affair, which is... As I learned about it, I, I enjoyed the irony of the pick because it's really just him and his sister and it's not it's not his whole family. Um, but but yeah, I mean, amazing vocals on the track. Um, 
you know, and it's, it's, it's a family affair. It's just, I, I don't know what, how, like, it's just an, it's a great song off of the album. The whole album is incredible. Um, you know, his impact on music in the seventies also amazing. Um, and yeah, family affair. I don't know. Um, how else I just, I felt it. It had to be this song again. I keep saying that, but I don't know how else to describe some of these picks. <laughs> well, it's just the grooviest song, you know? Yes. Undeniable. And yeah. that is 25 uh, listener, whatever you're doing right now, why don't you pause this episode and stand to your feet and give a round of applause to Matt and Samer from Super Awesome Mix for putting together a 25 play 25 song playlist. This is a picture of our season one of the podcast, guys. We can't thank you enough for for investing the time in doing this. Essentially, I'm forcing you to put in two two of your own episodes worth of work to to do this with us, and we can't thank you enough for that. But we have you with us, and every time we have a guest on the show, as as is appropriate to the name of our podcast, you forgot one. We know over this season we have forgotten a bunch of great albums, and so we want to ask you guys. Give us some albums that we forgot in this season. What are some albums for you that when you look at our podcast list, as you went through these 25 albums, you went, how did they forget this? Or how did they forget that? We want to hear your list of those great albums we've forgotten. Awesome. All yes. right. So, I'm going to queue go up ahead. your pick first, Matt. Okay. So go for it. Um, you picked um, a Quincy Jones album. Um, back on the block and you went with a specifically the title track off of that album to keeping with the picking a song uh motif yeah if you're just going to look up one song just check out the opening track back on the block um but this won a bunch of grammys for quincy jones and um is really a, a crazy album with just the talent he has on this i mean just in that opening track you know you get uh big daddy kane Cool Modi, Ice-T, they all make an appearance on that track. Uh, he he does a remake of Birdland um, on the album with just about every great jazz musician who was alive at the time. Uh, there's a track called I'll Be Good to You with Ray Charles and Shaka Khan. Uh, a young Tevin Campbell, if you remember Tevin Campbell, mm-hmm. uh, does a song called Tomorrow. So that's one that I think is definitely worth doing a deep dive into. Um, now, Samer, for your first pick of one they forgot, um, you picked Third Eye Blind's, I think, self-titled debut, right? Third Eye Blind. Yes, Third Eye and Blind, And in particular, yeah. you went with uh, Narcolepsy. Yeah, which also made my Desert Island mix um, from episode one. I hmm. So I had to throw this on here. Yeah, Third Eye Blind's album in 97, I think, is just, I mean, their strongest album, probably. I, I love their work since, and I, I like. I can't wait. They have a new album coming out in a couple of months. Um, I've been listening to the single on repeat ever since it dropped on, on the 30th. Um, still a huge Third Eye Blind fan. Love all their albums, but this one is just like perfection. Like start to finish, you can, you can just kind of hit play, and every single song on there, you don't want to skip it. You know, they had five singles off of this album. Um, hugely successful. I feel like it kind of, at least for me and for a lot of my friends at school at the time, um, was just a, it was like our introduction into like alt rock and our like love affair with alt rock began with this and kind of understanding that there was like this whole kind of in-between sound that we would like become obsessed with and really love. Um, So yeah, that's why I went with with Third Eye Blind's Third Eye Blind. I'm on a train But there's no one at the helm And 
There's a demon in my brain that starts to overwhelm. We've got three more picks to get through. So Matt, you went with, of course you did, <laughs> with a Bruce Springsteen and the E Street Band album. Um, we always joke that it has got to be Bruce on on the mix. Um, and you went with the album The Rising and the song Waiting on a Sunny Day. Interesting pick. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I could I could pick every Bruce Springsteen album, right? And we should do a deep dive into all of them. Um, all of them. But, you know, it's it's strangely enough, uh, it's it's the 20th anniversary of 9-11 this year. And this album was written in, in large part to as a response to 9-11. So Springsteen had not recorded a studio album in about seven years. And it was the first studio album with the E Street Band since Born in the USA. And so, you know, he was, I guess, tinkering with getting the band back together and he had written some songs and then, you know, 9-11 happens and kind of writes the rest of the album sort of in response to that. So it's a really eclectic mix of songs. Um, It's a pretty long album uh, relative to a lot of Springsteen's work. I think it's 17 tracks in total, you know, about 75 minutes. And um, yeah, I picked Waiting on a Sunny Day because, you know, considering all that was going on uh, at that point in time, the album came out in 2002 um, ahead of the one year anniversary uh, of 9-11. But yeah, it's a, it's a very hopeful song, but, you know, it's also about, you know, missing someone and, and missing someone you love. Um so, yeah, I mean, I think that album's definitely worth uh, taking a look at and, and definitely worth a listen because it's a it's very different than a, a lot of other Springsteen's work. And, um, you know, like I said, first time you get the band with him in, in quite a long time. All right. So, Sam, or your next pick, you went with Blink 182 and their album Enema of the State and in okay. particular the party song. Yes, um, I think this is like peak Blink 182 in terms of like their kind of original sound, they obviously changed a lot. Um, and with various band member departures and everything their the recent stuff is, I still listen to, I still enjoy it, but in terms of just like kind of pop punk at its best, you know, like when green day was on the air and blink 22 then was on the air, like this album really stuck out to me in terms of just getting a lot of playtime again, in, like in my youth and introducing me to kind of that pop punk sound and having me fall in love with it. So, um, yeah, Enema of the State. Like I, I listened to all of Blink's albums from there on out once I got introduced to this one um, and have been like a huge fan of the band. And this was the album that made me fall in love with them. So 
it had to be on this uh had to be on this mix of course of course it had to be because it's their first album with travis barker yep and the drumming on the song is so good <laughs> it's great and shout out to mark hoppus who was recently diagnosed with cancer and is right. going through chemotherapy and is uh, being really cool and bold and posting a lot of updates on his social media. Um, it's been really heartbreaking and cool mm -hmm. and sweet just following him and watching all that stuff. So uh, if, if anyone loves Blink or Mark Hoppus or, you know, wants to know how to find some sort of positivity or light while going through a really difficult time, follow his lead. It's been, it's been, um, it's been really interesting to watch. He, he's a very important person to me. Uh, that, that, that band, I mean, that's how I learned to play music was listening to blink records. That's how I learned to play guitar. I was trying to be Tom DeLonge. Let's learn how I learned to play bass, trying to be Mark Hoppus. <laughs> I'm going to play drums by trying to be Travis Barker and, and Scott Rayner. Cause the early albums are awesome too. Uh, especially dude ranch so yeah good pick nice, I, 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 Thank I'm, you. I'm i'm waiting for blink to show up on these like greatest albums of all time lists because they're like very clearly one of the most influential bands uh yes. since since 97 since 99 um but you're not allowed to agree to that um because they write enough songs that also have like fart jokes or something Right. <laughs> so, so you can't admit yeah. that it's like really great music. All right. Last pick here um, was uh, Matt, one of yours. You went with a Counting Crows album, um, This oh, Desert boy. Life, and specifically the song Mrs. Potter's Lullaby. Yeah. Well, you know, for the piano player like myself, this right. is a great <laughs> piano song. Um, no, I. this was the first Counting Crows album that I really loved. Um, I think a lot of people were into their first couple of albums. I wasn't as big into those, but then when they got to this desert life, um, I listened to this album over and over again. Um, but yeah, in particular, um, this song, which is, I mean, I don't know, it's like six and a half, seven minutes long, but I mean, it's just amazing lyrically. Um, but yeah, just beginning to end. And there's even a hidden track there on the, uh, on the final track. If you're a, so, you know, if, if you've never listened past the end of that uh, last one, there's there's an extra song on there. But it's, uh, yeah, just just a great album and um, definitely one worth exploring. And, and Adam Duritz, I heard him on a podcast earlier this year talk about how, you know, that's the one the band seems to love to play the most, too, you know, more than some of their other stuff. Then your life is a shame Though I'll never forget your face Sometimes I can't remember mine Guys, we can't thank you enough for doing this. This has been such a treat. 
for us. And uh, I have to tell you, I love, love, love picking Counting Crows song as as the end. And and one of the things that we're going to be doing in in between our seasons of this podcast is we're going to be focusing on some albums that maybe should receive some consideration for being a greatest album of all time, but are unlikely to make our list, at least for the first couple of seasons. And so we're going to be doing a whole episode uh, on Counting Crows and on August and everything after. And uh, if for nothing else, if, if we, if doing this gave you guys a reason to fall in love with Wilco, I'm hoping that doing that, you guys pointing out Counting Crows is going to give Micaiah a reason to fall in love with this band because they are one of my favorites. (laughs) That's awesome. Uh, It will not. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, One more time for our listeners, tell them how they can stay up to date with what's going on with Super Awesome Mix and how they can hear new episodes and when you release them. Yeah, on social media, uh, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, we're at Super Awesome Mix. And we're most active on Instagram. And uh, of course, we got the website, superawesomemix.com, where you can check out our merch store, our our Patreon, and our new events page, which uh, something new we're coming out with very soon. And uh, Sam, you want to talk about where they can find the app and the podcast? Yeah, absolutely. If you have an iPhone or an iPad, you can search in the App Store for Super Awesome Mix and download our app and start to make send people uh, mixtapes with cool illustrated covers and notes on every track and all good things. Um, and then, of course, the podcast, you can listen on your podcast player of choice, just like the one you are listening to right now. Uh, you can find us at Super Awesome Mix. Awesome. Awesome. Well, guys, thank you so much for being with us. Awesome. Well, that sounds thank great. you so much for having us on. It was really fun. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you. It was so much fun. Have a great night, guys. Wow. What a season. We want to thank our guests, Samra and Matt from Super Awesome Mix for taking on essentially the double duty of doing a 25 song playlist for our season one recap episode. Micaiah, as we get ready to leave season one behind, let me ask this question. What have been your five favorite episodes of our podcast thus far? This is tough. This is really tough because I I really have enjoyed every single one. I've enjoyed preparing for them. I've enjoyed it while we're doing it. I've enjoyed listening to them back. I mean, uh, I'm a fan of this show that we do, Um, you know, and which I didn't expect because the first couple episodes, I could not listen to my own voice. I really, really hated it. Okay. Number five, uh, these aren't in any order. I'm just looking at the list here. I mean, the Purple Rain episode, um, talking to to Dr. Fink was was incredible, but also that was a moment where you and I started figuring ourselves out as podcast hosts, I think. Uh, I think you and I were clearly having fun on that episode, and it was actually really enjoyable to listen to, even though I was a part of it. And I think he did a great job editing, which, by the way, everyone, Rob edits all of our episodes and he does a very good job. And, and the Purple Rain episode is a, is a very significant turning point for his editing skills. And it's still one that I'm, I'm proud of from an editing perspective. I think it's really great. Uh, I'll just pick Yankee Hotel Foxtrot, the Wilco episode with uh, with Kevin from 
the ABC Wilco podcast because that's a podcast that I, I've been listening to and having him on was just fun. And it was so great to just totally geek out about one of our favorite bands and one of our favorite albums. Uh, Exodus, the Barb Marley episode, um, was one of the most fun interviews I think we've done. Uh, very little work on our part in terms of actually having to do an interview. Uh, Roger could just, we could just sit him down, say, hey, how you doing, and get a full great 90 minutes out of him. Uh, yeah, that was great. Uh, Automatic for the people, talking to Lance Bangs. Mm. That was a lot of fun. And what people don't know is that we talked to Lance for like an hour beforehand while he was getting his car fixed. Um, he was just in a parking lot getting his car fixed in Portland, and we just talked to him about stand-up comedy. Um, uh, he was shooting, they, they just wrapped on Jackass 4, uh, which now has the title Jackass Forever. You can watch the, the trailer now. Um, so we were getting a little scoop on that. And so that was, that was a great time. And I will say, you know what? I'm going to say Armed Forces and uh, this year's model with uh, with Elizabeth and Tim. I uh, love, love them so much. And they're two people who, you know, I will still message every now and then on social media just to talk about music. And uh, yeah, I, yeah, the, that, that's a connection that I'm super happy to have made. I uh, love them very much. Can't wait to have them on as many times as we deem appropriate for uh, a single season. Because uh, yeah, I can never get tired of uh, talking to the two of them. They're, they're great company. Yeah. So I'm, I'm going to give you mine ranked number five, uh, is purple rain. I think there was a holy crap moment for both of us when Gordon Raphael, who produced the first two strokes albums agreed to be on our podcast. I think we, we both, I think had, had a, a holy crap moment. Like this can't be real. This can't really be happening. And that was almost immediately outshined by the fact that a member of the revolution was going to be our guest to talk about purple rain. And so having Dr. Fink as an episode was, I mean, still feels surreal, still feels, still feels like it didn't happen. I do think, like you said, I think we figured out our voice as a podcast and as co-host. And I think you can, I think beginning in that purple rain episode, you can, you can really begin to see, a transition begin to happen in, in this podcast that I, that I'm with you. I'm, I'm very proud of, uh, number four, uh, talking about automatic for the people with Lance bangs for all the reasons that you've already mentioned, uh, so generous with his story, so generous with his time. Um, and just what an interesting life he's lived. Uh, I mean, essentially a 14 year old having his first beers with Tom Petty and the heartbreakers and, <laughs> in uh, the replacements, you know, backstage, you know, most people don't live lives like that. And so yeah. when you have stories like, like he has, and that you're willing to be so generous with those stories, uh, you know, we, we were just, I, I think, so just, just touched to have him on and that he was so willing um, to be so generous with those. Uh, it was such a treat um, for me, a, a very personal one. Um, and just cause it was such a fun conversation. And again, for our listeners, you will never understand just how much editing had to go in to our longest episode by far. Uh, our episode on Death Cab for Cuties Transatlanticism, where we went track by track through one of our favorite albums with our friend Troy Aragon Buchanan. 
And for as long as that episode is, we left twice that amount of time on the cutting room floor Uh because we literally talked for almost five hours uh, about this album that the three of us love and just what a fun, what a fun conversation that was. And again, what a, what a fun opportunity to, I think, expose people who may not be familiar with that album to one of our favorite albums by one of our favorite bands. My second favorite episode we've done this season was kind of blue with Dr. Tammy Crudodal. You know, we, we talk so much in this podcast about, you know, the research that we do to prepare for these interviews and and what we do is, is we think about these albums. And for a lot of these albums, you and I are, are incredibly familiar with the album. We're incredibly familiar with the music, but all of the background and all of the stories and all of the relationships, I, I felt like Dr. Knodel gave us such a, a, a deep and rich history of not just jazz music, but of something that I was completely in the dark and completely oblivious to, which is the really kind of unsung heroes of jazz that are these incredible women uh-huh. that, that this phenomenal list of, of kind of, uh, giants of jazz music that are these women that have, have so often been overlooked and forgotten about by history. And so I, I walked away from our episode on kind of blue feeling like I had a new appreciation, not just for jazz music and for who Miles Davis was and for what jazz represents in the United States, but also with an appreciation for women that I had never heard of before. Yeah. And so I was so grateful for that. And I'm so grateful that, that she was willing to educate us because, you know, so often that that can happen for us when we do one of these podcasts where really it's, you know, we're, we're inviting a guest on to give us an education. And then my favorite episode we have done so far of the podcast, Exodus. Having Roger Steffens join us for the Exodus episode, uh, like you said, from from the moment we started talking, I think you and I both felt at ease and knew, hey, we're in good hands here. Mm-hmm. This this is someone who not only does he know this, he has great stories. He know he has personal relationships to these people, and he is passionate about reggae music. He's passionate about Bob Marley. It all just coalesced together to be a, a beautiful, beautiful episode, and I'm so so proud of it. So those are my five favorites. So, Micaiah, before we let our listeners go, mm-hmm. before we say goodbye to season one, let's talk about what our listeners can expect in the off season, if you will, and what they can expect and when they can expect season two. Sure. Well, season one is is now uh, donezo. But the thing is, Rob and I enjoy doing this so much. Uh, so we don't really want to stop doing the podcast so uh, we are going to every other week still put out a different episode uh, with a different theme or different topic Um, we're going to look at some individual albums Um, we're also we're gonna maybe some of it will be stuff that um, I will never ever nominate to put on our top 100 that Rob will have to convince me of uh, some will be us revisiting an artist and being like, wait, did we get that right? Or should we have done a, a different album from them? You know, uh, we're going to be doing this for the, the for the rest of, of 2021. 
these bonus episodes. By January 2022, uh, we are going to do season two. And Makai and I are working diligently now to finalize our list for next season. And uh, we hope to be able to continue to bring you uh, just a great uh, plethora of guests, whether it's uh, more producers, more musicians, uh, more podcast hosts, more music lovers, more writers. Uh, we want to be able to bring you all those different voices because we do believe that the diversity of those voices is what helps uh, make this podcast great. And, and, and again, like Micaiah said, makes this podcast something that, hey, we're the co-host of, but Micaiah and I both listen to these episodes. We are we are fans of the podcast that we make, which is, uh, which is something I think that we are, are really grateful for. And none of it would happen, listener, without you. Micaiah, if we're going to end our season one with one track, what should we send everyone out with? Well, let's say thank you to all our friends and listeners out there with Big Star. Thank you, friends. 